sugarcoat shit. <laughs> this is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Fellas, didn't get what you were hoping for from Santa Claus this year? Looking to add a little spice to things in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about an adventurous new adult toy or movie? Well, then we have an offer that you won't be able to resist. Go to toysforpleasure.vegas and for a limited time, you'll get 20% off store-wide and we'll even throw in free shipping for any order above $100. And no, we're not teasing. So check out toysforpleasure.vegas today and use special offer code BABE69 upon checkout and make sure all your adult fantasies come true with toysforpleasure.vegas today. Remember, use offer code BABE69, that's B-A-B-E-6-9, to receive a 20% discount on your entire order, and gift the gift that Santa forgot to give this year. Warning! The content you're about to hear contains spoilers, so if you have not watched the show, movie, or read the book in question, turn off your radio now, because there are spoilers. Spoilers ahead! Warning! Warning! Danger Will Robinson! Spoilers ahead! Don't say you haven't been warned. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, Renegade Nation. That's right, it's me, Naughty Nicole. And guess what? It's time for another Renegade review. And, well, this time around, well, you know, we're starting that whole new season of new and exciting new shows that we've never seen before. And, well, I'm going to try to review as many of those as I possibly can without, well, wanting to slit my own wrists. And I'm going to try and mix it up a little bit. So this time around, we're going to be starting with a little bit of drama and a little bit of funny. And today we're going to be looking at NBC's The Brave and CBS's Young Sheldon to whet our appetites for all those new and exciting shows. Yeah, I know. That was some serious badass sarcasm there in case you were wondering. Anyways, so let's start off our little roller coaster ride. I want to start today by sharing with you the explanation of the genesis for the military drama, The Brave, that was given by its series creator, Dean Jagoris, which, well, I'm going to be honest with you, is going to leave you with so much wanting, pretty much as much wanting as I had in watching the very first episode. Yeah. So, in my humble opinion, he didn't invoke a strategic genius of Sergeant Major Jonas Blaine, a la the unit, or even the sappy war-as-hell mentality of Captain Benjamin Hawkeye Pierce, a la MASH. No, instead, the worst possible choices made by one Walter White. That's right. He himself stated that after watching documentaries about American Special Forces teams, he was so impressed with their ingenuity and resilience 
that he would read story after story and sit and compare them to episodes of Breaking Bad, where a small, simple decision would lead to massive complications and all-out hell. Truth is, the basic concept Men and women who execute undercover elite missions all over the world who have to often innovate on the fly when the plans fall apart. That's what became the brave. Sounds like a pretty good concept if you ask me. And he created a fictional paramilitary unit that works all over the globe using the player's intelligence, weapons, knowledge, language prowess, and cultural skills to set all these bad situations right. While meanwhile, back in the United States, a group of analysts provides real-time backup and much-needed technical support to the unit in the field. Ah, yes. A great military drama. Okay. The Brave may chronicle the actions of courageous men and women, but as a series, it's anything but that. The pilot is a paint-by-numbers, kidnap-and-rescue story with an unrealistically happy ending. And the military drama only approaches any kind of haunting authenticity with an ending as dark and terrifying as it is likely not to come true. So, the episode begins in Syria. The first episode picks up Dr. Kimberly Wells as she's getting a ride home from her posting with Doctors Without Borders. But when her driver takes an alternate route and then, well, abandons her in the car, gunmen descend immediately on the car and take Kimberly by force. Enter Patricia Campbell, the deputy director of intelligence of the DIA, who finds out about Dr. Wells' abduction roughly about three hours after all this shit goes down. Campbell is back on the job just ten days after her own side, her own son, died in combat. And she keeps a picture encased on her desk, but pretty much otherwise doesn't even refer to her son or even missed up a little bit. Helped by Hannah Rivera, her mission coordinator, and an analyst named Noah Morgenthal, Director Campbell puts a special forces team on the case and sets a very tight window to safely recover the, the abducted doctor. Now... My first issue with this show is pretty much something that you guys have picked up on with me just telling you about it. There is quite literally no character development. Instead, these names and places flash across the screen, and it kind of feels to me like the writers didn't want to bother with even so much as an expositional character to explain things to us. Instead, they opted for this wall-o-text and innuendo to get the job done. Well done, writers. Fucking lazy-ass motherfuckers. Then we get to Captain Adam Dalton, who is the team leader and, oh my god, the classic American man with a short blonde hair, heavy muscles, and skin as white as the stripes on our beloved fucking flag. Joining him are a very diverse array of gun-toting soldiers, including Jazz, a woman who Dalton doesn't think of as a woman, but also won't forget is indeed a woman. Yeah, I don't understand that either, so what the fuck. And then there's Preach, who offers wise words to his teammates like, Unfortunately, there is evil in this world. Really? Did you just fucking wake up today? And sometimes power only bows down to more power. Who the fuck writes this shit? 
modest in its patriotism, but still painfully blunt in its moral assessments, The Brave is surprisingly uncaring about any of the characters. We don't learn much about any of them. Getting just those names and titles, where they work, and maybe one or two identifying characteristics. Shit, I couldn't tell the group that was supposed to save the doctor from the group that took the doctor. That's how bad it was. The truth of the matter is, the best that we learn anything about them is just those names, the titles, where they work, and a couple of things. We know Hannah looks good at all times because she apparently carries a go-bag with her. We know Amir is a proud American and a proud Muslim because he literally, and I mean literally, bleeds for his country and regularly attends mosque and prays. We know Campbell has feelings for her son because, well, she keeps touching that photo of him. But then again, she touches her pin too, so maybe she has the same feeling for that. We don't know. This shallow development would actually make sense if the writers knew everyone would be dead by episode's end. And that, unfortunately, leads us to the fateful final moments of The Brave. After a couple of minor little twists that both the audience and the characters, well, should have seen coming like a fucking bull in a china shop, of course they kidnapped a doctor to operate on a dying terrorist leader. The initial ending is a happy one. Dalton and his, with Campbell's stealth blessing, saves Dr. Wells and kills the terrorist who life, well, she just saved. The bad guys got got, and the good guys get to go home for some well-deserved R&R. But wait, what's that on the satellite display? Is that a truck driving off-road, heading straight for the beach where a shirtless Dalton and his sweaty team of handsome and gorgeous people are playing a friendly game of soccer with incredibly gorgeous children? Could the car be wired with explosives and sent to take vengeance on the soldiers who just murdered an Al-Qaeda operative? Oh my god, get off the beach, Dalton! Get off the fucking beach! Oh my god, your abs are gonna get hurt! Oh, and how fucking convenient that the drone had been hijacked so we could see all of this. Fuck! Can't anyone be original anymore? Though the final shot of the episode sure looks like the special forces team is up Bomb Creek without any wire clippers, it somehow feels doubtful that any of the series regulars will be dead and buried next week. Because they're just too fucking attractive. On the one hand, a near-total cast turnover would work. The DC intelligentsia was slightly better established than the Turkey Station crew, so we could kind of stick with Campbell as she mourns yet another loss and then gets to know a new team. But killing off the the military characters would actually emphasize the danger in the brave and makes makes us viewers want to feel that these soldiers are in. And it's not likely that there are going to be any A-list actors who the show can't survive without. I mean, they're attractive, don't get me wrong. They're very attractive. That's pretty much the only reason I stayed till the end of the episode. Hell, that kind of a twist might actually make viewers think twice about taking anything for granted on The Brave. It actually might feel like broadcast television could suddenly replicate the truly shocking surprises of premium cable and streaming where main characters can get axed all the time and pilot episodes aren't always what they fucking seem. Oh my god, such a twist might make people look twice at new one-hour dramas that look so fucking similar to all the crap we've been listening to and watching 
every other fucking season. But the truth is, that seems pretty doubtful. Nothing about the first episode makes any of us think that The Brave is any different than most case-of-the-week fare built for mass appeal. Even without any real character development, the deaths of so many characters so early on would just be too jarring for mainstream audiences to handle. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see, but it sure feels like The Brave is, well, happy playing it safe. And I'm sorry to say it, but if they don't add some better storylines, I fear that The Brave might become the unemployed. All right, now that we've hit the drama, let's talk about some funny and take a look at young Sheldon. Now, I thought it was a little bit odd to think that young Sheldon was considered a big gamble of the fall 2017 TV season. Is it really such a risky move to craft a spinoff of one of the most widely watched sitcoms on the air, especially when that spinoff is going to be airing directly after its predecessor every single week? Yeah, by any other network standards, that would pretty much be a safe bet. With all that being said, though, Young Sheldon isn't quite the carbon copy Big Bang Theory prequel fans might be expecting. For one thing, the decision to explore Sheldon Cooper's life in West Texas circa 1989 ensures that none of the other Big Bang Theory crew will be stopping by for the occasional guest appearance. Young Sheldon also switches to a single camera format and ditches the studio audience. It features voiceover narration by the adult Sheldon himself, Jim Parsons. Even the general tone of the series is pretty different from what you're expecting. Young Sheldon is less overtly comedic and more sentimental than its parent series. It may not scratch that same itch as the Big Bang Theory, but Young Sheldon might just connect with audiences who have never found Sheldon Cooper's antics appealing before. Unfortunately, though, viewers knowing Sheldon Cooper from the Big Bang Theory is, well, the best thing that young Sheldon has going for it. But, unfortunately, again, viewers knowing where Sheldon Cooper was at the beginning of the Big Bang Theory is also the biggest problem young Sheldon has. Young Sheldon is no more of a groundbreaking family drama than the the Big Bang Theory is a groundbreaking sitcom. The conflicts in the first episode are pretty standard, with Sheldon both fretting and anticipating his first day of high school, George Jr. worrying about having his dorky kid brother in the same class, and Mother Mary generally trying to keep the family from descending into chaos. The pilot follows a pretty predictable course from start to finish, culminating in a somewhat forced emotional resolution. Still, there's a heartfelt quality to the show that serves it well, despite its often formulaic plot. A lot of that boils down to the relationship between Sheldon and his parents. The Big Bang Theory has always made it clear what a calming, nurturing force Mary has been in Sheldon's neurotic existence. Parsons provides series continuity with narration and a reminder that the happy ending coming out of young Sheldon is just that we know that Sheldon eventually escapes. We know that nearly 30 years later, Sheldon is brilliant and successful. We also know that although he sees his mother with some regularity, he never sees his brother, rarely sees his sister, and speaks of his Texas upbringing with consistent contempt. This is not an upbringing that has ever been presented as anything other than an experience that Sheldon fled at the first opportunity. Now, the series still has some fine-tuning to do with Sheldon's siblings, And George Jr. shows the most potential for my money. 
Despite him being mostly an antagonistical force in Sheldon's life, George isn't a completely unsympathetic figure either. Freshman year is hard enough without having to attend class with your genius kid brother. The show would do well to give George Jr. a bit more room and explore that difficult dilemma in greater depth. Missy, well, for me, she seems to be nothing more than annoying comedic relief and is a real dud of the family. She doesn't really serve more purpose than that comedic relief, and she's quick with a smart retort, but that's about it. You know, give her something to do. Will young Sheldon find the same level of success as the Big Bang Theory? Probably not. It's a less humor-driven, crowd-pleasing series, and one, well, that falls pretty far from the tree in terms of tone. I'm not even convinced airing the two shows on the same night is going to work out in young Sheldon's favor. At the same time, young Sheldon may well emerge as a better series. As formulaic as the plot is in the pilot, it sells the dysfunctional family, but ultimately loving Cooper family dynamic. There's a lot more potential for character drama here, especially as we see how Sheldon grows up to be the emotionally stunted man he becomes and hopefully learn what fate befell his father in 1994. And as different as this spinoff is, those differences also ensure that it's readily accessible for those who have never climbed on board the Big Bang Theory train. For my money, though, I pose the following thought. The Muppet Babies. I know, stay with me. You know the Muppet Babies, that animated series that took our beloved characters and arbitrarily aged them down for cuteness and didn't do the whole prequel nonsense. It existed outside the continuity of the Muppet movie and the Muppet show and just placed Kermit, Piggy, Animal, and the whole gang in a youthful context because, well, it was adorable. It never claimed the events taking place in the nursery was going to shape the adult versions of the characters. And for that reason, the Muppet Babies is often mocked for its lowest common denominator brand of opportunism. I bring up Muppet Babies because, well, young Sheldon is, indeed, a prequel to the long-running Smash the Big Bang Theory. In being a prequel, it has a serious and possibly crippling protagonist problem. When what it probably should be is a Muppet Babies version of the Big Bang Theory, in which young Sheldon, young Leonard, young Raj, young Howard, young Penny, and everybody else and the gang perform elaborate physics and engineering experiments in some isolated nursery, and nobody has to pretend their interactions are formative. Now that's a show I would pay money to see. But, down to the wire, young Sheldon shares little in common with the Big Bang Theory apart from its lead character, and, well, that's okay. This series is immediately able to carve its own niche by taking a less humor-oriented, more sentimental approach to to exploring Sheldon's world. The plot is largely formulaic, but the show has an endearing sweetness to it that should work in its favor over the course of this season. All right, Renegade Nation, catch us next time. And hey, if you like this review or you have a comment, don't forget to send me a like or post a comment. And if you've got a show, a movie, or a book that you want me to review, hey, let me know. I'm not saying I'm going to, but you know, at the very least, you can share it with me so I can make fun of you and mock you on air. And don't forget to send me an email if you're interested in having me do that. My email address is still NaughtyNicoleRenegadeTalk at gmail.com. 
See you next time on Renegade Reviews here on Renegade Talk Radio. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.